Hey, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Welcome to Off the Bench. I'm so glad you guys have joined me today. We're going to spend a little bit of time talking about the importance of families, particularly the, ro- the role of husbands and fathers in, uh, in just creating a legacy of joy in their family. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Well, I'm glad you guys are here today. So many things happening in the culture. And as always, I love to have people on the show who are going to be encouraging you and just exhorting and bringing you guys to a place where you recognize that there is more for you. God has so much more than the world wants to offer us. And today I'm really pleased to have a dear friend of mine on the show. Uh, my friend, Steve Demi is here. He's the creator of Math. You see a lot of the homeschoolers are cheering right now because they know Steve. But for those of you who don't, Steve Demi is an incredible human being, the creator of Matthew C and the founder of Building Faith Families. He really has a heart to see the families flourish. And I've asked him to come on the show today and spend a little time talking with me and encouraging you, Steve, my friend, welcome to the show. It's really nice to be here, Heidi. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to see you. I'm not on the circuit very much right now, and so I feel like I've missed out this season. Well, in fact, I have. I've missed you. I know. That used to be one of the high points. I can still remember having dinner late at night in California with your family and carrying that little peanut on my shoulders to the restaurant. Yep. probably not a peanut anymore. She's not a peanut anymore. She's a she's a ballerina though. She'd love to see you. She'd she'd get a huge charge out of that. Yes. We have a lot of a lot of good uh good memories together. And I think one of the first times I ever heard you, you know, I knew you because of Matthew C, right? And and I always tell people that, you know, those of us that have spoken out on the homeschool circuit for as long as we have, you know, been you've been out there longer than I have, and I've been out there for about 17 years. And we're kind of like roadies, like on the on a on a carnival circuit, right? So when it's all said and done and we're closing down and everybody's boxing up and putting their stuff in their trailers, some of us have had the opportunity over the years to become really good friends, hanging out over chips and salsa, sitting on on a empty boxes at the end of the evening after a after a, a carnival road show is closed. And you and I and my uh, husband have developed a tr- uh, just a beautiful friendship. And I remember thinking, this guy is going to talk about math. And then you didn't. You took the opportunity to talk about math and you really just started encouraging families, particularly the husbands and the fathers. And I thought, you know, this would be it's a good story for people to hear about you. What what is it that makes you tick? You know, for probably 30 years, my message was for dads to be intentional about family, to have family devotions, to lead family devotions to pray for their families, to be with them when they sit in their house, when they walk by the way, when they lie down, and when they rise up. So Deuteronomy 6-7 was my verse, um, the whole verse. And then um, about 10 years ago, it's interesting, this is my anniversary, Heidi, I don't know if you know, of the hardest and best year of my life happened in 2012. And It started when somebody asked me, why do you always leave out the fifth and the sixth verses of Deuteronomy 6? And I said, I don't know, but I got my Bible out and I read it and it says, and this is to husbands and dads as well as moms, this is to parents, before you can teach your kids to love God and his word, you need to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And these words which I command you this day shall be on your heart. And I took that very seriously and I began asking God, to help me to love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love his word. 
And it's a longer story, but ultimately what makes me tick now is I believe that my relationship with God is the most important factor in my family. Because if I can let God love me, I know that's a funny expression, but I believe that his son was well-loved, which helped him to be a well-loving Savior. But you can't give something that you haven't received. So my relationship with God is what colors my relationship with my wife and my kids. And I spend more time now than I ever have investing and waiting on God and spending time in his word. And I really believe that that's something that I don't hear a whole lot about, but that's what makes me get up in the morning. <laughs> that's, that's the message I try to give to people is, I love the fact that you're putting your family first. I love the fact that you're taking your responsibilities seriously, but don't neglect your own relationship with Jesus. Mm. You know, you know, Johnny, my son with Down syndrome, you know, Johnny's pretty smart. And one of the first things he does every morning, he looks for his papa and he gets a hold. Now, it's not a hug. It's a hold. And I need to do the same thing. I need to get up and find my dad and get a hold. And so here's here's my scripture, John 15, 9. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, Can you can I give you the Steve International version? I'd love to hear it, yes. (laughs) As my dad loves me, that's how I love you. And now stay in my love. The actual translation is, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. But, And then I started thinking, well, how does God the Father love his boy? And and the thing that has happened several times in the Gospels, not just at his baptism, but on the Mount of Transfiguration, the Father tells his son three things. Again, Steve International Version. At his baptism, Jesus comes out of the water, the Holy Spirit comes upon him, and he goes, Hey, this is my kid. (laughs) I love him to pieces. And every time I see him, he brings me great joy. Mm. And I believe that's something that every one of us, every child of God needs to hear, not only from our heavenly father, but from our earthly dad. But it's really hard for earthly dads to give that kind of ministry to their kids until they first received it themselves. And I didn't used to get it. Mm -hmm. 2012, that's what made it the best year of my life is because I really believe now, okay, Heidi, you ready? This is for you. You're always giving. You're always, you're amazing. Okay. Now I want you just to take in something right now. This is God the Father talking to you. Hey! There's my little girl, Heidi. (laughs) I love her to pieces. And every time I see her, she makes me light up. But you know what? When I got that from my dad for the first time in 2012, my heavenly dad, it was transformative. And my wife and kids will tell you that I have been a different man since 2012. There's a longer story, and I went through a lot of deep waters, but it was okay because I finally got it. And now that I've gotten it, I can give it. Mm. So there you go. I love that. Well, I think there are a lot of people listening to this today who, who you know, they're like me. They came from broken homes. They didn't see uh, 
they didn't see it modeled for them. Maybe they never really experienced what it meant to be loved unconditionally. I think that's probably the case for a whole lot of people in the culture right now. And that was certainly the case for me. I think I told you that uh, my dad passed away uh, uh, in December of this last year. And I remember thinking to myself, for all the, the times that I had spoken out on the circuit, and I've written about this in my books and talked about it uh, you know, over the years as just a way to encourage other people that if you grew up that way, uh, God doesn't want you to stay stuck there. He wants you to be able to, you can't pass on what you don't possess. And I was really amazed at the end of my dad's life, uh, how much it hurt, because there was a part of me that just thought, I'm never going to hear from him the things I so longed to hear, you know, so wanted to hear him say, I'm proud of you. Good job. And and I'd gone my whole life now and realized, okay, now he's gone and I'm never going to hear it. And there are a lot of people listening to this right now who either they've lost a parent like I did and they're, they realize now I'm never going to hear it, or they're still struggling in the midst of a dysfunctional relationship where that maybe their parents, their dad in particular, didn't get that kind of love. He just, he just straight up doesn't know how to give it. Where, what do you say to those men, especially to the men who are trying to lead their families, but it wasn't something they ever saw modeled for them? Okay, so I was in that boat too. I didn't have a, uh, an abusive dad, thank the Lord. I didn't have a neglectful dad. But um, a lot of those things are developed those first couple of years of your life. And he was a traveling salesman. So he was an absent dad. And I had to go to my heavenly dad to have that need met. And I'm going to mm-hmm. say the first thing is, if you would ask me, do you believe God loves you? I would have said, sure, he loves the world. Do you believe that God likes you? I would have said no. Mm. I said, I know he loves everybody else. I had no trouble believing he likes you, Heidi. I had no trouble believing that he likes Jay and Skylar and the whole package. I had no trouble believing he loved my wife and kids, but I, 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 had, I struggled with the fact that he didn't like me. And so, number one, I had to do a whole bunch of digging in the Word of God, and I had to study what it means to be loved. Mm-hmm. And that was the verse that broke it through. When Jesus said, I love you just like my dad loves me, and I got it. That verse was a winner for me. The second thing is, though, the Holy Spirit is the one that really takes the things that we know in our head and puts them in our heart. Because Romans mm-hmm. 5, 5 says, the love of God is shed abroad in our heart through the Holy Spirit. So I had to transform my thinking in the word, and then I had to ask the Holy Spirit or whatever, lean on the Holy Spirit to really write those things on my heart. But it was a wonderful journey. It was it was an intense journey, but it bore such good fruit. And mm. what I never waited on God until 2014. Two years after that wonderful year of getting it in my heart, in my heart, it still took me a while to believe that he liked me enough that he wanted to hang out with me. Mm. And so I spent an hour one time in the summer of 2014, and I just was... I just was in his presence and I knew it and we just communed and I couldn't get enough of him. And Mm. that's the main thing I do today is I spend a lot of time waiting on God through walks in my neighborhood, through car rides. Mm. I I can't tell you, that's the high, that's the high part of my day Mm. is spending time with my dad. I love that. He can do it for us. 
He can do it for anybody. But I did a lot of asking. You know, mm-hmm. Jesus encourages us, ask. And if that's not enough, seek. And if that's not enough, start banging on the door. He calls it knocking. Mm-hmm. But he will not turn that kind of divine chutzpah away. Keep, keep, keep pursuing him because he's pursuing us at the same time. And it's a wonderful thing. Mm. Indeed, it's true. We're going to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, I'm going to ask Steve a little bit about some practical measures, what uh, fathers, especially right now, and husbands can do to love their families well. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, before the break, Steve and I were talking about what it means to commune with God. And something you said really uh, stuck with me. You know, this idea of, I've said for years, and I'm sure you've heard me say it out on the road as I've been speaking to tens of thousands of people, you can't pass on what you don't possess. And we can't pass on the love of God if we don't understand it ourselves. And you've spent the last several years uh, teaching people what it looks like to grab hold of that. But I want to shift a little bit to uh, moving from that aspect of it into some practical day-to-days, because over the years, I've heard you talking about ways that you can love your wife well. And and I'd like for you to comment on this, something that I uh, believe very much is true and having not seen it growing up. Uh, the Lord really impressed it upon my heart as a young, as a young wife and a young mother, you know, uh, 30, 30 some odd years ago when I was a newlywed, that the paradigm that I had seen modeled for me in the culture on sitcoms and on television and, uh, you know, just through kind of the, the broken relationships that we sort of litter the landscape around, around most of us, the Lord said was kind of on its head. Like when we honor God's priorities, then that's when we flourish. And the priority, and you've just outlined it, is to, we love God first with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We receive the love that he has. And out of an overflow of that, we pour into our marriage. And out of an overflow of that, we pour into our children. And a lot of people listen, mothers especially, moms tend to get the it backward. Like they pour into their children first. And then if they have anything left over, they pour into their spouse. But we know that that's backward according to the word. So, I'm wondering, can you uh, speak to, let's first talk about marriage, the importance of just nurturing that precious, precious relationship, and then what it looks like to have that uh, spill over to your children. So first of all, amen to everything that you just said. And the word that God has been giving me, you started with it in your first sentence today. So that's that's a divine thing. And it is, I want to see my wife and son's and grandchildren flourish. And the only way to do it is to lay my life down for them. Mm. And and sadly, I think, and even in the Christian culture, it's the wives that are doing most of the dying. And we need to flip that because God didn't call wives to die. He called husbands to lay their life down for their wife. And I did a whole bunch of dying in 2012. And let me just see if I can try to define that because we men we know how to make changes to maybe get out of trouble we know how to make changes temporary and we you know and there's a difference between making temporary changes and dying and i don't know how else to say it but i did a lot of dying and jesus promised us though that if we lose our life we find it i am in the best place i've ever been right now with my wife and kids but i had to do a lot of dying to steve and i don't know how to define it much better than that 
The second thing is, I'm doing a talk this year called Being a Safe Builder Upper. That is my ambition, is I want to be like Jesus in my home, which is I'm supposed to do that. I'm supposed to love my wife as Christ loved her church, his church. And to be a safe builder upper, I need to be meek and lowly in heart, like it says in Matthew 11, so that my wife and children can come unto me and feel safe. And I want to use the authority. Paul talks about this. He says that husbands have the authority. But we need to have the authority and use it to build up and not to tear down. Mm. I learned in 2012 through therapy, through group sessions, through help, that I can wound my wife with a word, with a tone. I can wound my sons with an attitude, with, with my eyes. I, you know, I have potential to build up my family like nobody else, but I also have the potential to tear them down like nobody else which is why I need to be in the spirit. I need to be in touch and abiding in the vine and connected to my dad so that I can use this authority that God gave me to build up. And we have four foster grandchildren now, really close to adoption. June 17th is the date. I'm going to start crying here. Until you've entered into the foster world, I had no idea how the trauma that some of these children have endured. And I so want to be a safe builder upper for them. And you know what? They just can't get enough of Papa. And I love them to pieces because I don't want to wound them anymore. I want to build them up. Mm. And I want to build up my wife. And I want to build up my kids. And um, I, I don't know what else to say. Uh, I just did a talk on this in Cincinnati a couple of days ago. And I, I wept about half of the talk because mm -hmm. this is where my heart is now. I want to be like Jesus in my home and I want to be a safe builder upper. And if you look at scripture in the New Testament, especially, there's a whole bunch of verses to dads. Don't exasperate your children. Don't discourage your children. Don't be harsh with your wife. And I want to do the exact opposite. Mm. It's such a sweet, it's such a sweet thing in a, in a culture right now. I mean, I've, I've watched and I've spoken on this many times, you know, my, my primary focus has been speaking to the women. I think the modern feminist movement has done terrible damage to women and also to men as we have just misunderstood the, the beautiful role that God created uh, men and women to play. There are different, they're, you know, different uh, roles in a divine play. And I love what you have done and just encouraging really uh, men. There are a lot of guys who listen to this show and they don't know because it wasn't modeled for them, you know, how to love their families and how to lay their life down. And that certainly doesn't fit the motif, right? And so when we, of the culture, it's not the cultural jive. So what I've seen happen in the last several years is there's a shift happening and now we're feminizing the men. And the men are becoming this, you know, sort of soft, this sort of, but that wasn't the point, right? It wasn't to become like a woman. It was to become like Jesus. Yep. And what did that look like? And so just encouraging these men, you can lead your families and not be a tyrant. You can, uh, and it is an incredible job. Uh, one of the things that my husband said long time ago to, uh, to me was that the Lord had showed him that his job was to be the primary builder upper of his family. And he, he had said, my job is to lay my life down. So what does that look like, you know, so that I can 
pour into my children. The reason I'm speaking, Steve, is because Jay saw something in me years ago. And he said, man, you got a gift. We got to get it out there. Oh my goodness. You know, I had no idea, you know, and, and it's amazing over the years, what we've heard from people who misunderstand that and see it as a failure of leadership because I'm the one on the stage. And really it's not a failure of leadership. It's a massive success story in Jay looking at something that he saw in me and nurturing it and bring, helping me bring that gift to fruition. And what I think is so important for people to understand is when Jay says to me, Man, I I love you. You're doing such a good job. I'm so proud of you. It makes me want to be a better wife. You know, when he can when he encourages me that way and I think you've seen that in your family. When you say to them, "I love you. I'm so proud of you." It makes them love you more. It makes them want to be better at at the role that God's given them. Have you seen that over the years? Okay. We're going to I got to have two things in here before I forget. You ready? I'm ready. When Jesus talked to his disciples, you remember when they were arguing about who's the best disciple? It's called testosterone. I have no doubt that that conversation happened. <laughs> you get a dozen men together, they're going to start, you know, figuring out who's the best at something, okay? And he didn't he didn't fault them with that. He said, "I created you. I gave you testosterone." Yeah. But he says, "In my kingdom, here's who wins." The best servant wins. And so what he and, and when you think about this, and I've done a lot of thinking about this, how has Jesus loved me? And that's how I'm supposed to love my wife and kids. He says he came not to be served, but to serve. Mm-hmm. So we were designed to die. We were designed to serve. And the second thing is, and you mentioned it before about, you know, having our family get the overflow. Whether my wife or my kids responds to this ministry or not is not my department. My department is to make sure that I'm having my needs met by God. I need, I shouldn't say this this way, but for many years, I needed my wife to support me and to encourage me. And I needed my kids to say, hey, great dad and all that. And you know what? I don't anymore. Not to the same degree, because I'm really getting that in I'm getting that from my dad. And it, it frees me up to give without expecting anything back, which mm. I think the definition of love is giving without expecting anything coming back. Mm. But when I do get it coming back, don't get me wrong. You know it, <laughs> You're not it, turning it down. No, no, right, no, no. right, right, right. It, it, it makes me shine. But um I think it's really important that I just have to keep this connection. Uh, do you yeah. ever fly Southwest Airlines? Yes. Okay. Yes, you know yes. how they, back when they were funny and they used to say. Right, when, back, back when it was fun. Yeah. When, <laughs> the, when the margarine containers fall from the overhead compartment, make sure you put it on yourself first and then take care of the kids. Yep. I think they have to tell you that on every flight because it's counterintuitive because all of us, like you said earlier, want to take care of our kids first. Mm-hmm. And they have to tell you the best thing you can do is you breathe. And that's my illustration. We need to breathe from that overhead container from heaven. We mm-hmm. we love the Bible says because he first loved us. We mm-hmm. can't love others until we have been loved first. And that's that's my goal. Breathe from the mm-hmm. mask and then take care of my family. Wow, that's great. That's a great place to leave it. Steve, you are a treasure. 
a gift to so many people. Where can people find you online? Buildingfaithfamilies.org. And you go out, you're still out there. I mean, you're speaking out on the circuit, talking to a lot of people. So uh, that's where people can find out how to get you also. Thank the Lord. I really think that the reason I have so much energy is because when you wait upon the Lord, you renew your strength. So true. I'm, I, uh, yeah. I love that. I'm still doing what we used to do. And uh, thank the Lord. I love it. Steve Demi, thank you for for, uh, coming on the show for an encouraging uh, 20 minutes. And I just, God bless you. I'm just so thankful for you. You know what that means, right? I think it means hang loose. No, it means I love you. It means sign language. I love you. Back Mm -hmm. at Love you, friend. See you. For more information on Steve Demi and his ministry to families, you can go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash podcast. Scroll down to the show notes and I will link back to all things Steve Demi in the show notes today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Love your families well. Love them well. And you can spend time with the Lord and he'll show you how to do it. We'll see you back here again at the intersection of faith and culture.